Welcome to the Nomad Tactics Podcast. Here we provide life-optimizing tips and systems for digital nomads. I'm your host, B, and I'm joined with the co-host, Jack. The topic today is about hobbies and the digital nomad lifestyle. I will start with a quick summary of the episode. First, me and Jack are going to talk about the relation between hobbies and the digital nomad lifestyle. After that, we're going to talk about the main features that makes a hobby compatible with such lifestyle. Finally, we will talk about some workaround solutions if you have a hobby that doesn't fit the digital nomad lifestyle very well. I hope you enjoyed the episode. So, hello, Mr. B. Hello, hello. How are you, Jack? Very good. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, cold pretty day good. here in Taiwan. Yeah, it is. Lantern Festival, right? Yeah, it is. Um, couldn't sleep. Yesterday. Couldn't sleep that much oh, because really? of the temple next to my house and the firecrackers. Firecrackers. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the costumes in Taiwan. Yeah. So since our episode today is talking about traveling and hobby, mm-hmm. uh, what do you? what's your hobby before you start travel? So I would say my hobbies stayed pretty much the same before I started traveling and after it. There are some hobbies that I were considering doing, but I didn't go through. And we're going to partially explain why that's the case here in this episode. Something like uh, learning the, to play the guitar. I fought for a while, but in the end, because of the digital nomad lifestyle that I live, I decided not to to follow on. But going back to to the things that I do as a hobby, um, I would say I have three main hobbies. So as you know very well, Jack, I'm quite into humanities as an academic subject, right? Yep. So, yeah, I really enjoy reading humanities in general, psychology, sociology, philosophy, stuff like that. And I study quite seriously uh, these topics. So, yeah, that's number one. I'm also quite into fitness, so more specifically weightlifting. I have been doing this for a while. And I like photography, something that I'm not doing that much these days. I really enjoy the process of thinking about photos beforehand and thinking about composition editing all, all the process is quite enjoyable for me what about you jack yeah personally i enjoy cooking quite a lot i like to uh study some course like master class i have some really good course yeah and i would sort of copy the technique and the yeah. recipe on there yeah you know, and- it's it's fun for me to do so yeah Whenever we travel together, I find you spend way more time in the kitchen than I do. I just do oat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is some elaborate dish. Yeah. Right? Cook, yeah. Cooking is fun for me. Yes. Yeah. 
So yeah, Mr. B, today we're going to talk about hobbies and how it relates to digital nomad lifestyle. Um, yeah. And I think it would be good to put this this topic, topic. into the, the system we create, digital nomad life system. And this, of course, this digital nomad life system is a system, a six-step system that helps you design a optimized digital nomad life. Yeah. Yeah. So where would you put this uh, hobby into this system? As you said, it's a six-step system. And in my opinion, the topic today falls under the fifth step of the system, or what is called nomadic living. So to give a, a brief overview of this step, nomadic living basically can be understood as all the advice that would be relevant for a digital nomad when he's living in a base. And a base simply means the city he's living for a while. Since a hobby is something you're gonna practice while you're living in a base, it makes sense to think about this topic in this specific step. Yeah, Mr. B, since you put this into the step five of the system, nomadic living, yep. I assume that you think hobby is something you do after you settle down as a digital nomad. Yeah, I guess many people would do so. Okay, so why do you think this is an important topic to bring up in here? I feel like hobbies, it's the kind of thing that once you go through and you get sorted out with the basics, like let's say you figure out how to make a living working online and you figure out how to plan your trips and perhaps you learn how to create a social circle as a nomad and live a healthy lifestyle. I think the natural progression there, the thing that people will naturally want to do is to develop their hobbies. I don't know if you would agree with that. You think hobbies are something as central as I'm portraying? Well, I wouldn't put the most essential things in terms of living, but I think people would do after they figure they out get their the basics. Money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I um, think that's something they would do afterward. Yeah. So that's pretty much my point. It's perhaps not the first thing that comes to mind, uh, or the the first thing in the order of importance, but I think it's naturally something that people think about after they have the basic needs covered. And I don't know, I feel like more and more people nowadays are taking their non-working lives seriously, you know? Back in the day, it seems like when I talked to my grandpa, he used to be solely focused on work and have not that many interests outside it perhaps was just him, but it seems like life was more focused around work. So like maybe if you made the, if you ask him or someone from his generation, what do you do? The only answer they would give would be work related. But I think more and more people nowadays would give a broader response to that question. Well, I think that's also relates to our generation have very different view with their generation. Like, yeah, no I'm doubt. pretty sure their generation thinks uh, a lot of things we view as hobby, like say working out, 
going mm-hmm. to the gym they think it's play they they think it's something you you, you play with uh, only kids do that instead of adults could be could be they yeah. they think the pursuit of certain things that we think are worthwhile in their mind is not that worthwhile especially perhaps if they have a very pragmatic outlook in life right yeah but i do think uh, having a hobby can make sure let's say life more well-rounded and yeah. can experience more in your life yeah. so yeah mr b um here on the show notes you were some quite uh, strict definition of hobby things like a hobby is something you take seriously uh you want to make it as a quarter of your life um yeah i don't know if i would say a very strict definition for hobbies it seems to me we use the word hobbies to mean two slightly different things and we kind of bundle those together and so there are activities that we do outside our work that we take more serious and things that we do more casually so for example let's say you enjoy drinking beers Some people might say, oh, drinking is my hobby. And it might very well be the case because it's something you do outside your work and you enjoy doing. But that's not the sense of the word hobby that we are talking about today. We are talking about these things that you do more seriously, things that you want to practice or to do on a consistent basis, things that you want to progressively understand or get better at. And I mean, these are, of course, things you enjoy, but they are also core parts of your life. It's not something you do casually. So you said cooking, and I think cooking for you fits that criteria. It's something you're getting better at, you really enjoy, it's a big part of your life, you do quite constantly, and you're serious about it. Same thing for weightlifting or studying humanities for me. So that's the sense of hobbies that I'm trying to to address here today. Yeah, I agree with you. Like some people do take hobby quite seriously, almost yeah. like a craft yeah. beside their work. Uh, yeah. When they say work is something yeah. they make money with. Yeah, exactly. So it does make sense to talk about hobby in the day-to-day life. Um, yeah. But the thing is, the talk that we're talking about here is about digital lifestyle. Yeah. And why do you think hobby is a interesting issue to them i mean as anything else right uh, this is a point we already made a couple of times in our website and in our podcast when you start this digital nomad lifestyle you're gonna go through some sort of adaptations regarding the things you do and i think hobbies are no different you might have certain hobbies when you had the the stable, normal life. And when you decide to embark in this digital nomad lifestyle, it might be required for you to do some sort of adaptation and forethought. I see. So you, you think when the digital nomad go on his travel journey, mm-hmm. and sometimes the hobby is not fitting with his journey. I mean, this doesn't apply only to hobbies, as I said. It's, it's a more general idea, but there are certain things that are more compatible with this digital nomad lifestyle than others. And we can think about this 
compatibility also in terms of hobbies. Certain hobbies better fit the digital nomad lifestyle than other hobbies. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can think of some some hobbies. Like, for example, my cooking. Yeah. If uh, the place I rented doesn't have a kitchen, yeah. or if that, the, the, the uh-huh. kitchen doesn't have some equipment, yeah, yeah. some exactly. addition cannot be done. Yeah, you're spot on with this remark about cooking you just made. And I think that's the perfect leeway for us to go to the main topic of this podcast, which is about which features hobby should present in order to be compatible with the digital nomad lifestyle. So just to get the obvious out of the way, the, let's say, basic thing you need for a hobby is, of course, the enjoyment for the activity or for the thing, right? So when you're talking about picking a hobby and seeing if it's compatible with the digital nomad lifestyle, we're already assuming it's something you like. But let's move on to talk about specific features that make a hobby compatible with the digital nomad lifestyle. So yeah, of course, you should enjoy your hobby. Obviously, that's the first trait that you should have with your hobby. Yeah. So there are four features you wrote here for whether a hobby is compatible with traveling. With, yeah, digital nomad lifestyle. So the first item you have here is availability. Yeah, and uh, the definition you gave here is how available are the facilities or the environment for you to practice your hobby on a global scale. Why is this important? So I think that's extremely important because as a digital nomad, you're gonna be in different countries. Therefore, if you don't have the facilities or the environment necessary to practice your hobby, you're in big trouble. Of course, what you're looking for here are hobbies that you can do in most cities around the world. I was thinking about certain examples to make the the whole concept less abstract. Okay, so let's think about ice hockey as a hobby or running as a hobby. Let's think about ice hockey first. What do you need to practice ice hockey? You need a hockey rink. The question is, how available you think are these facilities around the world? I mean, as far as I know, it's quite hard to find ice hockey stadiums around the world, especially if you go to like warmer countries. Yeah, it's kind of hard to imagine Thailand to provide a hockey place for for people who like to play ice hockey. So, yeah. So the general point here is ice hockey is not something widely available worldwide. On the other hand, if we take something like running, you can run pretty much in any gym around the world. Even if you stay in a hotel, most likely they're going to have a treadmill. Let's say that for one reason or another, you can't find a gym, you're not staying in a hotel, go outside, you just run in the park. So the facilities necessary to run are pretty much available everywhere. So at least in this specific feature of availability, if we were to consider these two things, running would be a better fit for a digital nomad. The next item here is adaptability. And I guess this is the item that you see how adaptable is the hobby to the circumstances that you are in. So this second item of adaptability is 
kind of related to the first one to do with availability, but at the same time, different. So the basic idea here is that when you are practicing your hobby, you need to see if you can transfer and adapt to the slightly different context that you will surely encounter around the world in different countries. Again, it sounds a little bit abstract, and I hope that with an example, I can make things slightly more clear. So let's get two new possible hobbies. Let's think weightlifting and karate. So when you're weightlifting, basically you are going to gym and the gym going to have different sort of facilities. You might have uh, a gym with a lot of free weights or you might have a gym full of machines. In the end of the day, no matter if you're doing a machine-based workout or a free weight-based workout, you are doing weightlifting, right? So you can adapt weightlifting to these two different contexts. Now thinking about another hobby, let's say you, you have karate, the martial art, as your hobby. So if you go around the world, I'm sure you can find martial arts centers offer different martial arts, but karate won't be that easy to find. You might find in some places, you won't find in many others. But the point here is that you can't say, oh, I fight karate and today I'm going to fight jiu-jitsu or taekwondo because that's the only thing available in this martial arts center because you can't adapt karate in that way. So it's like you have different fighting principles and you can adapt those to this new style of martial art. I see. So different hobbies, especially martial art, mm -hmm. it's something... It's more specific. They, they, they can really substitute each other. Something like that. You can't adapt to slightly different circumstances uh, that well. I see, I see. So, I mean, thinking back to your hobby, cooking, it's something that you can pretty much adapt. And the adaptation is going to be done around the kitchen, let's say in the Airbnb, that you have available to you. So you might have a kitchen with a microwave, but no oven. You might have a kitchen with a stove, but no microwave. And you're going to still be able to do cooking. You're just going to need to see what is there and adapt considering it. Yeah, you're you're right with cooking, and that's how people cook around the world. Makes sense. Yeah. So the next feature you have in here is mm -hmm. equipment. I think this is quite straightforward. Is yeah. what do you need for yeah. uh, when you practice in your hobby, and yeah. is it easy to carry around? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite straightforward, as you said. So, how much equipment do you need? Basically, is it no equipment at all? Is it a small amount of equipment or is it a big load? And I mean, I'm sure most digital nomads would agree that every inch of space that you have in your luggage is quite valuable. So we don't want to put stuff there that is not really, really relevant. Yeah, I think the really good example here would be a musician if he wants to carry his guitar. Yeah, that's actually in the beginning 
of this podcast, I almost forgot. I mentioned that before becoming a digital nomad, I was considering learning guitar, but I very quickly realized that this would very likely imply that I would need to carry around a guitar. Yeah, or else you can, some digital nomad they would do is like they buy a guitar on the bass and they sell it when they're leaving. Yeah, that could be a possible workaround solution, no doubt would involve a little bit of time and perhaps extra money every time. But so, yeah, I, I think we both agree guitar would be uh, the kind of thing you perhaps should avoid as a digital nomad. The things that would be more compatible in terms of equipment to this digital nomad lifestyle, uh, quite naturally, would be things that uh, require very little equipment. So um, let's think about an example. Let's say you are into drawing. I don't draw myself, but I would assume you need, what, a pencil case, right? Full of stuff. I mean, if you're doing sketch, yeah. Yeah. So a pencil case is much more uh, workable than a guitar. So in that case, if we were to compare, let's say, drawing and guitar, playing the guitar, drawing would clearly win here. I see, because you can carry the pencil or call yes. pencil around. Yes. So it makes sense. Makes sense. The next item we have here is obviously the cost. It's like you don't want, of course, you don't want to spend too much money for practicing your hobby. As everything else, cost of living, including the cost of things related to your hobby, going to drastically vary around the world. So... You would agree, Jack, that there is a big difference if you just need to spend $20 a month or $100 a month on things related to your hobby. So what, what would you say is a expensive hobby? Uh, I think some exotic hobbies that are not universally recognized, I would say maybe like making aquarium would be expensive, but things are common wouldn't be too expensive. Yeah, I mean, I would surely agree. Usually weird things or unusual things tend to be more expensive. But I'm not sure if I agree that common things cannot be expensive. So if we think, for example, golf or swimming, these are things that are quite common. But yeah, you're right with uh, what's golfing, I guess. But how come swimming being something that's uh, in expensive sports? I mean, as everything we are talking about is kind of relative and you're comparing with other hobbies. So swimming in some parts of the world to have access to swimming pool probably will need to pay $100 per month or even more if you go like to the big capitals. So if you compare it to the great majority of other hobbies, I think $100 is quite a lot to pay per month. Yeah, I guess paying $100 a month for swimming is something quite expensive to do. You say paying $100 a month is kind of expensive, but what if I still want to swim, but I can't because it's too expensive? What do I do about it? Sure. Um, yeah, I think that's a really important point that you raise. And we kind of a related topic and we're talking a little bit about before. So you, you told me, look, Mr. B, you make all these points about hobbies, but I feel like people just choose the hobbies and they not going to try to adjust their taste based on their 
travel lifestyle. And my counter-argument to that was that, yeah, that's true, but I feel like people have a lot of things they are interested on. And the point of the episode today is that with this knowledge, with uh, these items in mind, they can go through the things that they enjoy and pick the things that better fit that are more compatible with the digital nomad lifestyle and progress on those and perhaps ditch or do less frequently the things that are not compatible with the digital nomad lifestyle. But nonetheless, as you just said now, some people might be really, really interested on certain thing, on a certain hobby. So the natural question is, what should you do then? Is there any possible solution or workaround? And in my opinion, there are some. And the first one, it has to do with broadening your hobby. So what do I mean here is rather than picking a single specific thing as your hobby, you could try to see your hobby in broader terms. To illustrate once again, let's think a little bit about karate and martial arts. As we, we talked about before, karate has the problem of not being very adaptable. That's a problem for a digital nomad. But perhaps if you change it, the focus and you start seeing yourself as being someone interested in martial arts rather than specifically karate, you would have a much easier time because whenever you go to a new city, you're going to most likely be able to find a martial arts center. And if you start, as I said, seeing yourself as someone that is interested in martial arts more generally, you're going to be able to to train whatever is available there. I see. So if you're practicing karate and you can always expand to something bigger, yeah, like, let's that's say in any kind of martial art. Yes. But I'm just kind of curious, how about like, let's say the example we just met, um, swimming or golfing, how can you expand that? So I don't think that's uh, a solution that going to work across the board. So there are certain things that are just the way they are, and there is not much you can do about it. You can't really broaden the, the scope of the hobby. Uh, but other things such as martial arts, perhaps boards, it's another thing you could broaden. So rather than surfing or snowboard or skates, you like board sports and you try to develop on all of those things. I see. So it's like a school of hobby. You yeah, can yeah, it's a kind of hobby. Or as you just said, you can't really broaden it, mm -hmm. but you can always choose the second option here is you pick the destination based on the hobby you have. Let's yeah. say the swimming or golfing, you can always choose yeah. a beach city or somewhere is famous for golfing. Yeah, that's the second solution to narrow your destinations. So instead of thinking, oh, I want to go to... Tokyo because I want to see Japan, you're going to think, oh, does Tokyo fit the hobbies that I have? And as you just mentioned, swimming, maybe swimming is very expensive in Tokyo. Uh, if you're really into swimming, maybe reconsider Tokyo. Go to a smaller city in Japan that 
have affordable swimming pools or perhaps don't even go to Japan in the first place. I mean, it's kind of a more radical solution, but if you're really into the hobby, perhaps that's something you're willing to do. Yeah, I guess that's true. If you love the hobby you're doing, yeah. if you view it as core of your life, mm -hmm. you can always uh, use this narrow destination option. Yeah. So the last one we got here is, it's more radical than we just talked about, is True. to bite the bullet, is to go all in, in a sense. You don't care about whether practicing this hobby could give you some consequences. Yes. Uh, so yeah, the idea here is that, as you said, you're going to kind of accept that your life won't be that easy. You're a digital nomad, but you like a hobby that is not very much compatible with this lifestyle but you are willing to pay the cost of that, like uh, go all the way. And maybe the only available swimming pool is one hour away. You're going to take the bus and that's it. Uh, maybe the only available yoga studio costs a lot of money, but you're really into yoga and you're willing to, to pay for that. Basically, biting the bullet is accepting this lack of compatibility and going along with it. I see. It sounds like uh, if you want to practice your hobby, no matter what, you're going to take really a lot want, from you. Yeah. And you still really want to keep the digital nomad lifestyle and you really want the hobby. Yeah. That's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah. Sounds like some of the hobby, it's just not compatible with the digital nomad lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, I see. So, Mr. B, is there anything you want to add to this episode? Yeah, the the only point to, to finish up here has to do with perhaps your hobby will not perfectly have all these features, but you should just see what you like, see the interests that you already have, and pick the ones that present most of these features, because this will be the most compatible with the digital nomad lifestyle. But Again, it's very hard to find one that is perfect. I see. So in the end, it still depends on the individual yeah, of digital course. nomads. Yes, no doubt. I see, I see. So if you enjoy this episode, please make sure to leave a rating and a comment on the platform you're listening on. And if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, we have a detailed show notes on our website, which is nomantactics.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.